Well, hey everybody, welcome to Momentum Online. Now, we're going to interrupt our regularly scheduled Bible No One Ever Told You About series because we need to talk about community groups which are launching in just a week. Now, we're going to just anchor this in Scripture. See, we're launching community groups. we got these six-week groups where you can connect with other people, grow in your faith. They're perfect because they're going to go from when we start right up until summer break. They'll release for the summer, so you got your whole summer ahead of you, all that stuff. But here's what I want you to know. We're not just doing community groups because that's what church just do. We're doing community groups because when you look through the pages of Scripture, you see that God made us for life with other people. Our faith comes alive in the context of rich relationships. And we're going to open up God's Word today and explore God's divine design and the way He made us to function in rich relationships. So I'm going to jump right in. We're going to go to a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. Now, if you don't know what that is or what that means, I'll give you a little history. One of Israel's kings was a man named King Solomon. Solomon was known through the ancient world and through history for his wisdom. As a matter of fact, the things he came to understand, he jotted down in journals and various books and collections. People from all over the ancient world in his time came and visited Israel just to learn from Solomon. Today, we get to do the same thing because this book, Ecclesiastes, is one of the collections of wisdom that he had gathered. So let me take you right in. He begins in Ecclesiastes 4, 7 through 8, and says these words. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For who am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? (laughs) This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Now, I know what you're thinking. This sounds like it was written by Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Let me just remind you, Solomon was known for his wisdom, not for writing Hallmark cards. And when he's talking about life together, he begins by painting the picture of a man who's all alone. He paints the picture here of somebody who is financially rich, but relationally poor. Financially rich, but relationally poor. You could look around our world, 2021, in suburbia, and it's not too hard to find people who are financially well off, but relationally broke. It's not too hard to find people who have a lot of stuff, but a life that doesn't have substance. See, we've acquired so much, and praise God for the access we have to healthcare and medicine and and the ability to put your kid in a private sports team or to do what it is you want to do and go where it is you want to go. But we have to be careful that we don't end up like this, man. It is easy in our culture to end up financially rich, but at the same time relationally poor. One of my favorite writers in a book called Tribe, uh, Sebastian Junger, tells us just how we ended up this way. He says these words, First, agriculture and then industry changed two fundamental things about the human experience. The accumulation of personal property allowed people to make more and more individualistic choices about their lives and more and more cho- and, and those choices unavoidably diminished group efforts towards a common good. And as a society modernized, people found themselves able to live independently from any communal group. A person living 
in a modern day, hold on to this, a person living in a modern day city or suburb for the first time in history can go through an entire day or an entire life mostly encountering complete strangers. They can be surrounded by others and yet feel dangerously alone. Solomon says a life of isolation is a miserable existence. Junger says it's dangerous and science and researchers have come along and figured out just how dangerous it actually is. Harvard did a study over a 50-year period about the dangers of isolation and our need for community. And the study concluded that people who live in isolation and lack of connectedness are much, much more prone to wrestle with depression, anxiety, self-esteem issues, substance abuse, eating disorders, and the like. They are three times more likely to die than people with strong relational connections. Um, one of the people who was involved in this study went on to write a book called Bowling Alone. Robert Putnam was a part of this study. And he took the findings and popularized them in this book about American isolation and how badly we need community. And he pointed out some interesting things from the study. He says, if you belong to no groups whatsoever, but decide to join some sort of group, a bowling club, a church, a community group, for example. If you decide to join some sort of practice, some sort of sports team, some sort of chess club, if you decide to get together with a group of people and play some Dungeons and Dragons for crying out loud, listen to what happens in your life. You cut your risk of dying the next year in half because we were made for community. We can make our community group slogan this year, join a group or die based on the research. Here's the other thing I know. He goes on to say this, talks about the powerful indications or the well-being that comes flowing from rich relationships in this book. I highly recommend it, by the way. He says, people who have strong connections were a more powerful indicator of health than diet and exercise. Did you catch that? People with bad health habits but strong relationships live significantly longer with, than people with the opposite. He goes on to say this in his book, Beer and pizza with good friends is better than salad and water alone. Can I get an amen? I'll just let you decide what to do with that. But here's the other thing. It's not just isolation and loneliness that tear away at your health. Oh, when you find your life in connection with others, so many things that are made to be a part of your life are now a part of your life and you flourish. Studies showed in the same study and in this book, they uncover that more than your money, your health, your security, more than how the Padres are doing or how the Aztecs did in the tournament, thank God, more than any of those things, the overall indicator of your well-being and happiness will come from the quality of your relationships. You were made for life together. And Solomon continues in Ecclesiastes. He explains why. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one. <laughs> Sorry, this is what we call the Mr. T passage because he says, I pity the one. I just can't help but imagine Mr. T right there saying, I pity the fool. I pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help him up. 
Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, Solomon uncovers for us three very important things. This is deep. There's a lot here. We're going to slow down and pull them apart. He paints a picture of spiritual help, spiritual warmth, and spiritual strength. Let's talk about those. He begins by sharing the power of spiritual help. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. I got a question for you. Did you know that Jesus promised you would stumble in your life? Have you read Luke 17 before? You go to Luke 17 verse 1 and Jesus opens with these words. Jesus said to his disciples, that's us, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Have a good week, guys. Catch you next week. Things that cause you to stumble are bound to come. If you do the language work and you get into the Greek that Luke wrote in, this this translates literally, it is impossible to make it through life without stumbling. You're guaranteed to stumble. Now, here's what I know about stumbling. Most of the time when we stumble, It was on something that we did not see coming. Am I right? I mean, you stumbled literally before, right? You were walking somewhere. You didn't see something and you just had that, you fell. And what did you do immediately? Right after you stumbled, what did you do? Okay, not Okay, immediately you probably looked to make sure no one was looking. But right after that, what did you do? You looked down to see what it is you had missed. You generally stumble on things that you don't see coming. Do you know what Jesus is saying in these words? He's saying, there's going to be some things you don't see coming. And eventually, you're going to stumble. For some of us, it could be people that are either part of our lives now, that, you know, the relationship's going to turn sideways, or somebody that gets introduced to your life and it causes you to stumble eventually. It could be a family relationship that causes you to stumble. For some of us, it could be wealth. It could be somehow, some way you've done really well for yourself, but all that wealth begins to slow you down. It it decreases your sensitivity and dependence on the things of God. For some of us, it could be doubt. It could be doubts that creep in, something you read, somebody, you see somebody you love who once had faith lose it, and it starts to chip away at your own faith. You could be good time, or it could be hard times. It could be something, you know, these are the obvious ones. It could be cancer. It could be a diagnosis. It could be the loss of a job. But, you know, here's the one we don't focus on. Sometimes it could be your good times. Sometimes it could be the fact that things started going really well for you, and there's an intoxication that happens, and all of a sudden you forget the God who brought you to where you are. We don't know what it is. But here's what we know. Jesus guarantees we're gonna stumble. Solomon tells us you need people in your life so when you stumble they can help you back up. Now let me ask you a question. If I know I'm gonna stumble, what is the wisest thing I could do? If I know that I'm gonna stumble sometime or if you know that you're gonna stumble, what's the wisest thing you could do? You could get some people around you for when that moment comes. You know, if Jesus walked into your living room today or he pulled up, you're listening in a car and he pulls up next to you. You roll your window down and he says, hey, um, I got something to tell you. I hate to be the one to tell you this, but in July, you're going to stumble. You don't even see it coming, but it is coming and it's going to get you. 
What is the wisest thing you could do? You could get some people around you. So when the stumble comes, they're already there to help you up. I would think of it like this. I love trust falls. A trust fall is the most underrated team building activity in existence. It got fallen on. It's fallen on hard times. See what I did there? It, it's fallen on hard times because it's cheesy. It's, it's office cliche culture. I'm pretty sure they did it on the TV show, The Office, or you did it at camp and nobody really wants to. This is a great exercise, but can I just play Captain Obvious for a second? When you do a trust fall, you don't start falling and then try and get some people behind you as you fall. When you trust fall, you make sure the people are back there having your back. So when you fall, they're already there for you. Come on, connect the dots with me here. You have the opportunity through our group launch to get some people in your life. The time to dig a well is before you need the water. The time to get people in your life is before the stumble happens. I want to challenge you to sign up for a group. It's in your app. You click register six weeks to get some people in your life who can protect you and help you. When you fall, there's something else that Solomon talks about and, and introduces us here to in his next verses. They're kind of strange, but follow me. Spiritual warmth. He says, also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? There you go. There is a biblical precedent for spooning. And this is not to be used, okay, students, this is not to be used as a spiritual pickup line. He's pointing out something that we need to get our heads around here. There is a warmth that comes from great relationships. There's a, a quality of your life that is unpacked through great relationships. See, when we do the you need people talks, and I'm guilty of this, and when you need a community group, we are quick to run to the hard times in life. We're quick to say, if something bad goes down, like I just did, you need people, I stand by that. But what often gets overlooked is how great people make the good times in your life even better. Do you remember the man in this passage? He was financially well off, but relationally poor. The problem was not that he had money. The problem was he had no one to share it with. He needed a warmth that came from relationships. You need people around you to celebrate with, to barbecue with, to enjoy with, to watch sports with, to shop with, to group text with, to campfire with, and to make fun of your kids with for crying out loud because people make your life more warm. I think of this and I think about salsa. I'm a salsa aficionado. And the interesting thing about salsa is if you broke down all the different ingredients, here's a mix, maybe this isn't your mix, but this, this kind of covers some of the basics. Garlic, lime, tomato, onion, salt, pepper, cilantro, praise God. Here's what I know. Salsa is interesting because I love salsa and, and I eat way too much of it when I'm in front of a good bowl of chips and salsa. But here's the interesting thing. Some of the ingredients are only good when they're made better by the other ingredients. You caught that, right? I'm not a tomato guy. You're not gonna see me just sit down and eat a tomato. I'm not gonna just crunch on an onion. But when you put the onion in the salsa, it is made better by the other ingredients around it. Can you connect the dots today? Oh, you're like salsa. <laughs> you need some other people around you to bring out the best in you. There are parts of your life and your faith that are only revealed in community. You need people around you to bring out that warmth. And then finally, let's talk about spiritual strength. 
He finishes these words by saying, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And he says, what you know and I know. And as we finish, listen, I know this isn't new, but I do think it is something we cannot be reminded of enough. We are stronger with other people around us. I love if you think of the great action movies and performers and sports performances of all time. Even the greatest heroes had a good sidekick. I mean, Batman had Robin, for crying out loud. Han Solo had Chewbacca. You can fill in the blanks with me. Wayne had Garth. Maverick had Goose. Frodo had Sam. Shrek had the donkey. And sports? Jordan had Pippin. Rice had Montana. I should say Montana had Rice. Barry Bonds had PEDs. Uh, Let's scratch that. In music, Chris had Cross, Millie had Vanilli, Cheech had Chong, and even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Now, here's what I know. They were stronger with other people around them. And you are too. Now, I want to pastor you as we finish, okay? And, and just lean in. I've got two minutes left, and this is the stuff that I don't want you to miss. Here's what I know about COVID and being a church community that is coming out of a really bizarre time. All of us had times over the last last year where we enjoyed not having to deal with as many people. Introverts, extroverts, all of us had times when we enjoyed not having to deal with as many people. My restaurant workers enjoyed just doing carry-out services. You know, uh, people, people enjoyed not having to go in and be a part of meetings. People enjoyed having less people in their lives. There were less meetings, less conflict, less inconvenience, less misunderstandings, less places to be, less opinions, and less trouble because there were less people. But what the scripture points out is with less people, you are also less strong. And I heard it said like this, and I just want to wake you up. I heard it said, isolation is like a drug. And once you get used to it, it's hard to give it up. Because it's nice not having to deal with other people. But momentum, the time to wake up is now. And do not let the intoxication and convenience of isolation keep you from experiencing the life God made you for. We were made for other people. Their spiritual help, their spiritual warmth, and their spiritual strength that you cannot get if you choose to remain in isolation. And so I want to challenge you as we wrap up to make today the day you join a group. They're going for six weeks. They wrap up by summer. and In that time, you'll have the opportunity to get people around you that will help you become everything that God made you to be. And you can't do it alone. So what do you do? Well, honestly, you have to take a risk. You have to risk the inconvenience of other people, their problems, their opinions, and their lives getting mixed in with yours because you're willing to believe your life is better with other people. There you go.
The risk is to jump out. The risk is to say no to convenience and to join a group today. I love you guys. Peace.